We have the privilege today to hear from a brother that I, I'm excited to hear what he has to share. I know some of it he and I have shared over the last couple of weeks. Um, but Dwayne and, and Jane DeYoung have been used of the Lord eight years in Kosovo? Four. Four years in Kosovo. Okay. Um, but j just in talking with him, um, how do I say? Um, well, if I, if I, my daughter's here this morning, Christy, if I, if I mentioned Camp Darby in Italy and, and how God worked and, and put so many pieces together, I know I briefly shared that. I, I was telling Dwayne, I, you know, sometime if you have, you know, someday if you have a week and a half, I could tell you the, the story on that and the different ways that God has provided. And just hearing Dwayne share uh, in the last couple of weeks about God, how God has worked in their lives and how we provides and just keeps providing and and um, I, I thought that that it was something that we need to hear um, from somebody other than this mouthpiece um, but to hear how God works and how how we need to uh, I, I guess my my prayer and my goal in, in what he shares today is that in, in his may be totally different and that's fine he can share that when he's up here but my my goal and, and I pray and I hope for you guys is, is that our faith will be strengthened and our faith will grow when we see more of who our God is and what he does in our lives. Um, so I, I'm not going to stand up here and sputter around anymore. Come and share with us if you would. And if you're not done by 1130, I'll tell you, you probably lost them. I was hoping for a linger longer because we might be done earlier today. That's all right, too. Well, thanks for having us today. And uh, we actually love the UP. UP kind of reminds us a little bit of Kosovo um, in the seclusion part because we feel very secluded up here. And, and, uh, but we love it. Um, uh, we love Kosovo as well. Kosovo is... Uh, of course, very different landscape-wise, but uh, we did feel secluded there. We didn't know too many people, and so now we're out at uh, Manistee, and um, we're pretty secluded there, but we're, we're loving it um, out on the lake there. And, of course, we love the snowstorms that come in, <laughs> as of you, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, no, we just, uh, this is kind of a unique thing for me to be able to get up you know, Pastor asked me a couple weeks ago if I'd be willing to share, and he didn't necessarily want me to preach on anything specific, but he, what he wanted me to do was just share how God has been working in our life, how God called us into ministry, and the things and the process, and kind of how we saw God work in our life through that. And then when we were on the field, how he worked through us on the field as well. And so today, I'm just going to share... Uh, I can get long-winded when I get to some of the stories, and I'll try to cut those uh, down a little bit, but I just want to share uh, that with you and, and really how God's worked um, in our life. So, so thank you for the time to share today. It's great um, to be able to do that, and we just want to really praise God through this. Um, we want to show you know, how faithful he is, how supporting he is, how compassionate and caring he is. And today um, just gives me the opportunity to do that with you guys. So let's just open in a word of prayer real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you today. God, thank you for the opportunity just to share who you are to us, Lord, and, and what you've done in our life, Lord. And uh, all the glory goes to you because as people here today, Lord, this is not of us. Um, these are things that we brought to you, God, and you supplied you orchestrated you organized and you made these things happen so i just pray that you'd be with us this morning lord i pray that uh, your holy spirit would just speak through me lord and that people would hear what you have to say uh, through this just pray these things in your name amen i'll try to stick to my notes otherwise like i said i can get off on a on a uh, tangent sometimes but uh 
So starting out, I'll give you a little bit of a background here on me, uh, where my heart was and the objections that I had moving forward. So I grew up as an MK. My mom and dad were missionaries in Australia. Pretty hard place to be. Um, very tough environment. Uh, culturally, it was very hard, actually. Very tough environment um, to be in. The people were not the friendliest. Um, schooling for me, of course, I moved there when I was about seven, so schooling for me was very hard there. I was treated very differently as a kid. And so some of those things are the things that played in my head as I grew up where I said, I don't want any part of this. Missions work or being a pastor or anything like that is, is really not for me. It's not what I want to do. It's not one of what I want to be a part of. Um, as I grew up, I joined the service. Um, and in the service, I developed this habit of chewing tobacco. And to me, that was one of those things where I was like, now this is something that God is definitely not going to take and not going to use me. Yeah, yeah, can he use me with this, with this habit I have, right? This addiction that I have of chewing tobacco. He's not going to use me, so I'm going to keep going with that, right? Because I like it. <laughs> the other thing as we move forward even past that, you know, I uh, met Jane. We were married in 92. I'm good. I'm really terrible with dates and so I'll have to look at her every time I say one. But, um, you know, as, as time moved forward, we're in our mid-40s now, you know. We both had pretty good careers. Um, who would go into ministry in their 40s? I mean, I mean, I'm on a roll, right? I'm, like, doing really well. God has not called me into ministry, and I'm in my mid-40s. This is awesome. This is great. My goals have been met, right? Um, the other thing. I'd only been to community college, never went to seminary, didn't have any Bible classes. Whew, another plus on my, on my part, right? I mean, God would not call somebody who is unqualified in that area to be a pastor or a missionary or a church planter, right? Whew, I'm doing good. Well, God starts to soften my heart. In 2008, Jane lost her job. We both, like I said, we both had really good jobs. We were at a company for quite a long time. But in 2008, at the end of 2008, if you remember, 2008 was the big crash, right? I mean, a lot of people were laid off and lost their jobs. In 2008, Jane lost her job. And in 2009, I lost my job. Beginning of 2009. So hers was right at the end of the year, and mine was right at the beginning of the year. So this was God's beginning of softening, right? <laughs> uh, reliance on him. How do we do that? That same year in 2009, I had a friend of mine who was a missionary. and uh, Well, I called him a missionary. He was actually uh, uh, kind of a camp director, but he was for multiple camps. Um, not sure exactly what he did and how he did that, but one of the particular camps that he worked at, the majority of his time was in, was in Alaska there. Um, and he had asked me if I would be willing to come on out. I, and I used to operate heavy equipment on the side, uh, dozers and excavators and bobcats and all that kind of stuff. And he knew this. He used to work for me years ago. And he said, hey, I want you to consider coming out to Alaska on a missions trip and helping us prepare camp um, for the summer. And I'm like, dude, I just lost my job. There's no way that I can take the time or the money to get out there and, and spend two weeks out there. I just can't do it. Well, just pray about it, he goes. See what God says. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's probably not going to happen. Well, a friend of mine who I was in the service with lives in North Carolina. His wife worked for one of the airlines. Well, it just happened to be that I'm talking to him on the phone, talking about things, and I just brought up this Alaska thing. Then my buddy called me up and says, wants me to come to Alaska on a missions trip. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not going to happen. He goes, oh, well, hang on a second. What do you mean? I says, well, I don't have the money to go to Alaska. I lost my job. I'm not, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. He says, well, uh, let me call you back. His wife works for the airline. He gives her a call, asks her about tickets to Alaska. She says, yeah, I can get him tickets to Alaska, you know, for like 50 bucks. 
round trip. I'm like, what? He calls me back and he tells me this. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He says, I think you're going to Alaska. So here God's softening my heart, right? Letting me know that he'll provide and he'll make a way. Well, God started to do some other things. He started to use influences of others in my life. Well, you all know Dave and Diane Ford. Actually, had them up here this morning. Maybe they're your missionaries of the week. I'm not sure. Um, we knew Dave and Diane just from when they came home on furlough and, you know, we sat because they were, their home church was our home church. And so we would listen to their stories and see their presentation and what God is doing in Thailand. And, you know, so we were just kind of like, wow, you know, we always loved it when they came home and they spoke. You know, they could sing. We couldn't sing. That was another thing. You know, we can't sing, right? <laughs> can't hold a tune. So God's not going to use me. Well, they were home in 2009. They came back, and we started to get to know them a little bit and talking to them about what they did. And, you know, didn't understand. I mean, this, this Global Access Partners gap, what is this? I don't understand. And so we, we got to know each other that year, kind of towards the end of 2009. And... Um, you know, he's telling me all these things that they do and, you know, the ministry ideas that they come up with and how they help local pastors and local ministries with sports and training events and, you know, whatever. I mean, there's all this stuff. And I'm like, that's nuts. I mean, that's crazy. I, I'd love to do that. Right? Whoa, wait. No, no, wait a minute. No, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. There's no way I'm going to do that, right? Well, God started using him, and we started to talk about these things, and we started to get together, and, and, and Diane would kind of get with Jane, and kind of separately, you know, we were getting this softening from God and, and maybe this call, right? I mean, we're just like, what is going on here? And so that was very interesting to me, and that was kind of where that, that really started where God had really started to say, look, there's, I do have things for you to do, <laughs> right? So in 2010, God gave this clear call to me. <clears throat> it was Mother's Day, 2010. We were at church and our pastor gave a message on Gideon called Objections Overruled. Not what I needed to hear. And we know the story of how God continued to show Gideon he was the man for the job, right? During that message, <clears throat> God continued to use the influence of Dave in my life. And as I'm sitting in the pew on one side, Dave is sitting in the pews on the other side. And I'm sitting here listening to Pastor talk about Gideon. And you know how you get this feeling like somebody's staring at you? You know, you're just like, wait a minute. And you look over and there's, there's somebody staring at you, right? And you're like, you look, kind of look back and you're kind of like, why is this person staring at me? I look over, is Dave Ford staring at me? Just dead stare right at me. And then he goes, points to the pastor and he goes, he's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. What? This can't be happening. Right? I mean, I had all these things in place to say, God, you can't call me. But yet I get this slap in the face that morning from this person and says, he's talking to you. Wow. Pretty clear message. It didn't stop there. After that message, I mean, it was clear as anything to me that God was calling me into ministry. How, where, when, what, I have no idea. But it was so clear to me that day. But he took it a little bit further. That same day, he performed a miracle in my life. I don't know if any of you have been addicted to anything. 
but he took the desire that I had and the addiction that I had for chewing tobacco away completely. Completely. I'd never turned back. I'd never wanted a can of chew since then. I've, amazing. And I've shared this time and time again as we've gone to churches and as we raise support, I shared that in these churches with people and I'd, I'd have men come up to me afterwards. Wait a minute, how did that happen? I've got this addiction to chewing tobacco and I feel like I'm ministering to people and I shouldn't be because of it. How did you get rid of it? And I'm like, I don't know. I, it wasn't me. This was God working in me. This was God saying to me, I'll overrule every objection that you have. So God works despite ourselves, right? So that was powerful. But as we read in the Bible, right, we, <laughs> is this really real? I mean, really, I mean, I don't know. It's the next day. Well, actually, that afternoon, I'm like cheering to Jane. I'm like, this is what God has in store for us. He's calling us into missions, right? I mean, this is clear to me. I'm explaining this to her. I'm like, I'm on board with this. I want to move forward. She's like, wait a minute. Last week, you wanted to be a truck driver. Well, I did. I mean, I had, you know, I'm looking for work. I mean, I did have, I had a, my own business at the time. It wasn't really what I wanted to do but it was paying the bills you know and I'm thinking ah, I'll become a truck driver I can drive from here to California and back and all over the place wow that'd be great so she's like no let's just let's let's take a step back let's pray about this and then we'll see what God does from there well I said okay but I wasn't sure I could do that, but I tried. So the next day, I'm mowing a lawn for one of the ladies at our church, widow, was mowing her lawn. Now, before this point in time, you know, I mean, I, I've, this, this whole thing has just washed me. And now I'm listening to Christian music as I'm mowing a lawn. You know, I don't do that. You know, that wasn't me. I was not a Christian. I thought it was all the same kind of boring, you know, like, yeah. But here I am, I'm out mowing this lady's lawn, and I am bawling. Tears are rolling down my face as I'm out mowing this lady's lawn. And I get done mowing her lawn, and I said, I, she comes out, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. You know, tears are gone now, and I'm, I'm good. I didn't want her to see that, right? So I says, oh, you know, things are good. I said, can I, can I just share something with you? I said, it's got to be in private. I said, you know, I mean, it's kind of just happened. You know, she's like, what? I said, I think God's calling us into ministry full time. Really? Praise God. She's like, wow. I got to pray for you for this. So she prayed for me. She says, I got some friends. I, we just want to pray for you as you go through this process. Is it okay that I share? I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. But, you know, we, we really don't know what this means. Well, little did I know, she was, in she was in charge of the prayer chain letter that goes out to everybody. I didn't say anything to Jane, but she found out through the prayer chain letter <laughs> that I had let Mary Lou know what was going on. So at this point, I was really hoping that this was real. I knew God was calling but I wasn't sure that that faith and that hope that I had in God was enough to move us forward. Well, God's word in Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So I was relying on that because I couldn't see. <laughs> I could not see. All the things that in my life before that, where God could really use me. And well, I was involved in our church. We taught Sunday school. I mean, we were involved in Awana. We, you know, we, we did a lot of those things. We, we, we thought it was very important that we be part of the church. We had two kids that needed to be part of the church and grow up in the church. 
But you know, that's all good, right? I mean, that's, but we still had questions. You know, we all have questions, I think, in our daily lives and things that are going on in our lives. And, you know, we're not sure what to do. Um, I know I had all these questions and I didn't really know what to do. Um, didn't know if my faith was really strong enough um, for this calling that God had on me. But, you know, God looks at us not simply in terms of where we are in faith, but what we can become if we trust and obey in him. So we gave our questions to God. Things like, can we pray for all things? Do we pray for all things? And hope and trust that God will respond. Well, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Do we believe that God has a higher purpose for us? Does God really have a higher purpose for me through all of this? And what could that possibly be? 2 Corinthians 5, 5 says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Wow. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I knew that, but for me? Right? I mean, we often all, we always say that, don't we? We say to ourselves, well, I, who am I? Right? I mean, I am, I am nobody, and I am nobody. So again, the questions came back, are we qualified, are we ready, are we experienced enough? And really, why us, God? Why, why would you choose us? James 2.5 says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? And Judges 6.14-16 says, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Gideon's story is a great story if you haven't read it. It's one I can relate to. But as we know, Gideon's story, his faith, came only after a lot of patience and work on God's part. Each day is a new day, with, and with each day, we have opportunity to practice our faith through God's word, prayer, and our dependence on him. <clears throat> Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because he, his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, <clears throat> we take those questions and those anxieties and all of that to God, right? We ask him these questions and he shows us through his word how we can rely on him and how he will provide and how he can use us. And it's through his strength, not ours. Well, here it began. 
we started moving forward in this new venture, this thing that God called us to, that he was working on us and showing us So one morning I get up, grab me a cup of coffee. I go out on our back deck, stand there. It was a great morning. Got my coffee. I'm feeling pretty good. God's called me into ministry. Isn't that amazing? And I just like, was like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. There's this big hole in the ground just beyond our deck. Our deck was ground level. There's this big hole there. I'm like, what on earth? I walk over to that hole, I'm like, oh, that's our septic tank, it's just What do we do with that? (laughs) Man, I'm like, all right, God. So Jane, I called Jane out. I said, Jane, come and look at this. She comes out there. She's like, this is your fault. (laughs) I'm like, how is it my fault? Because God called you into ministry. I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. So God can take care of this. Because we don't have the means. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have the funds. So we're just going to let God handle this. Of course, right away, we're thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I had a friend of mine tell me, just call a septic place and have them come out and look at it. At least give you a price so you know what you're dealing with. And I didn't even want to do that. I'm like, okay. So I call the guy out. He comes out there. He's looking at it. You know, I don't mind you. My business was snow plowing and lawn care. So I had... I didn't have a lot of equipment, but I had some, some around. I had plowed, an old plow truck that was there. And, and so we were, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This guy comes out, looks at it. He goes, yeah, yeah, this is the problem. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. And it's a stinky one. <laughs> he says, well, he says, let me, you know, give me a little time. I'll run some costs together and take a look and see what we can come up with. And so he leaves and. Uh, he stayed in the prop on the property. He went to his truck. I went inside, and I don't know, 15 minutes later, he comes back. He goes, "Okay." He says, "This is what I got." He says, uh, I, "I was looking at this truck out here." He says, "It's a plow truck." He said, uh, "Is that for sale?" I said, "Well, it's not yet." I said, "It will be." I said, "We're you know planning on selling it." I said, "My wife and I are uh, going into missions full time." He says, "Missions?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "God's called us into ministry and." I said, so we'll, we'll be probably moving, so we'll be selling a lot of stuff. He says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, I wrote up an estimate here, but he says, I'll change it up a little bit. He says, what if, what if I come in and we'll get all this work done for you, we'll clean it up and get it all filled, backfilled, and all done. He says, and I'll, and I'll buy that truck off you. He says, I'll give you 1000 bucks." I says, oh, okay, hang on. What, hang on. So you're going to come and fix it and you're going to buy my truck for $1,000. What do I owe you? He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, what's the work costing me? Well, it's not costing you anything. I'm going to give you $1,000 for the truck. So this guy came and did the work, thought the truck was worth X amount, but the work that he had wasn't worth what the truck was worth, so he gave me $1,000 and did the work. So that was number one. (laughs) This is how God works, right? You know, God also encourages us as we move forward through this. There were so many times in this process. We we were with ABWE uh, initially. And there were a lot of different times where I just was discouraged, like things weren't going fast enough for me, or uh, so-and-so said they would get with me, and they didn't. Um, and I just get really frustrated. I'm like, God, 
Give me something. And boom, he would give me something. Because he knew I needed it. He knew I needed that encouragement to move on. Use that encouragement from others. Guess what else I had to do during that time? I had to take Bible classes. Something that I did not want to have to do. My fear was somebody's going to know that I was this MK. I should know everything, right? I mean, I grew up as an MK. This kid's going to know stuff. I didn't. And my fear always was I'm going to go to Bible class or Bible school or whatever. I didn't mean, this guy sitting way in the back in the corner because I didn't want everybody else to know that I really didn't know my Bible that well. That was my thought, even though I grew up in a Christian home. And I did know my Bible pretty well, turns out. <laughs> right? Not too bad. I mean, I was doing okay through, through, through a lot of this. God was answering some of these questions through his word, and I was getting it. There was one other thing that really hit us hard during this initial process of joining, actually joining ABWE. We had to go through an oral doctrinal exam. And that's pretty intense. It can be anywhere from an hour to three hours long where you have a panel of pastors, uh, uh, professors, missionaries, where they would sit you down like right here, like we're Jane and I here and they're there. And we were like, okay, well, we got this, right? I mean, we've grown up in the church, should be good, be fun. We weren't really, and I just plowed all night. We had a big snowstorm, just like we had last night. Been out plowing all night, I was pretty tired. We get there, and of course, and I'm in my plow clothes too, I look terrible. And all, all these people sitting there, pastors and professors and whatnot, and they start just shooting all these questions at us. And we're answering the questions, and then they're like, okay, well, show us in the Bible where that's at, you know, and blah, 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 kept going on. And we'd write on the board, different stuff on this board. And we get all done with that. It was, I don't know, how long was that meeting? About an hour? Maybe, maybe an hour. There was another couple that went before us, and, and uh, um, we, we got done. And, and then they called the first couple in, you know, and they came out. Oh, you know, they were all happy, and, you know, yeah, we did really good. And, hey, we're going to meet for dinner here. We'll meet you guys there, you know, and assuming that we were going to make it through. And we walked in, and they were like, hey, we just want you to guys to know we want to encourage you, um, you know, through this process, and this can be difficult. And you, know, you guys answered your questions really well. You did very well in answering your questions. But, and then we're like, oh, no. You couldn't bring us to all the scripture that we needed you to bring us to. We need you to be able to back up every answer that you get through scripture. So this was one thing God showing us where we needed to get this right, right? I mean, he sent us out to the field. We needed to be able to answer and back up. So we walked out of there pretty disappointed. Needless to say, we didn't go out to dinner with everybody else. Didn't really feel up to it. But we went back to the drawing board. We started studying and learning where to go in our Bible to answer or to back up our answers for what we believed. That one hit us pretty hard. Well, it was a month later, maybe two months later, I can't remember. Maybe three months. Jane, I'm looking at you. She can't remember either. When we retook the doctrinal oral exam. Five, okay, four or five months later, we took the exam again. And of course they allowed us to move forward with everything else, took the exam again and it only lasted 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And they were like, wow, you guys went back and you guys studied. And they, I mean, it was amazing. We couldn't believe it. I mean, they were like, I think this is the shortest doctrinal oral exam we've done 
in a long time. So God used that time for us to re-engage with him and re-engage in those things that are important to him. So in 2010, we were commissioned by ABWE. We started support raising. Um, it took us uh, five years to raise support. Uh, during that five years, we actually changed organizations. It was the same organization initially. Uh, um, it was International Businesses Missions, which was part of ABWE, but ABWE didn't think that it was something that they could support with the people that they had on staff because it was a business thing and none of them were geared into that direction. And so it kind of split off and they asked us if we would be willing to split with, with them and go um, join uh, International Businesses Missions. So we did that. That was really another hard, hard thing for us to do because we, <laughs> we were actually gonna be working with Dave and Diane Ford in Thailand and had made several trips several times a year there to start working with them and their partners there. And so that was really hard. And Dave was, Dave was in the States when we had to, well, actually, we met him in India. We did a trip to India. And I had to let him know on that trip that we had been called to work with International Businesses Missions. And Dave actually came back to the States, uh, was at some of the meetings, and it was not a fun time because Dave and I had developed such a great relationship and working relationship that to even both, to both of us, even to me as being called out of where we were going to this other direction, it was heartbreaking. Why, God, why, why? Sometimes we just don't know, right? I mean, he directs us in these other paths. And he even did it when I hated the place we were going to. What is up with that? I went and visited Kosovo in 2014. I get back and Jane's like, so what'd you think? I'm like, I'm glad we're not going there. <laughs> That's what I told her. And matter of fact, I said, I don't care if I ever go back there. And in 2016, we moved there. God's sense of humor, huh? Well, as we raised support, International Businesses Missions, because they were new, they were really eager to get their first missionaries on the ground. And so we were that. We were their first and only missionaries at the time. Well, we were their only missionaries, period. Um, and so in 2016, at the beginning of 2016, they had said to us, Whatever your support level is at, by the end of the year, was it uh, August? In August, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bridge that gap. So uh, international businesses missions was full of these businessmen as their board members. Many of them were multi multimillionaires, and so we had no doubt. Like, if that's what they're telling us, pff, not a problem. I'll stop raising funds now, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't. So that's what they said. They said, if you're not, wherever you're at by this time, we want you on the field in August. Well, as we know, we should never trust in man, right? Another lesson that I learned, Psalm 118.8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. We never made, we never saw 100%. We never saw that. Matter of fact, they, they, wanted to, they wanted to take money away from us after a period of time. The other thing that was supposed to happen, now, and I'm not slamming IBM, I'm not slamming anybody within that. These are lessons God needed me to learn, okay? So these are the things that God put in my, my path, in my direction so that I could choose if I was gonna trust them or trust him. So, so this is no slam on the organization or on anybody. This is me and how God needed to work through me. So our organization took a trip out there. The year that we moved there, 
in order for us to be there legally, we had to set up a, an NGO, a non-government organization. So we had a lawyer go over with um, um, our president at the time, and they set this all up for us so that when we were there, we could be there legally. Before we moved, we asked other missionaries that had been there and that were there, what should we take? You know, we've got, we've got funds set aside. We've raised the funds, actually, to do the move, to buy a car, to do all of that, right? You raised 30-some thousand dollars for that. We had it. So we're like, what should we do? What should we bring? They're like, ah, oh, bring a container of all your household goods. Don't sell any of your household goods. Bring them. And if you've got a good vehicle that's paid for, ship it over there. It'll be way cheaper. We're like, oh, okay. And we were very happy about that because we really didn't want to sell all of our household goods. It was great to have those things there. Something familiar, right? So that's what we did. We packed everything up in a container um, and we shipped it. It took about a month, two months, month, I guess, after we'd arrived, about another month, uh, we'd stayed in the house that we were at with just a couple beds on the floor, you know, and <laughs> nothing else really, uh, other than other, some other missionaries had given us a few things to utilize when we were there. Um, they took really good care of us. And so our container arrives, I get a phone call, hey, your container's here. Um, bunch of stuff happened in the middle of that. Um, with that container. I had to go in and do an inspection and they wanted me to unload it right there in front of their customs agents. I mean, this is a 40-foot container full of household goods. They wanted me to unload it by myself. So, okay. So I started unloading it, bringing stuff off. I got a little ways into it and they're like, okay, okay, that's good enough. You're willing to do it, we're fine. So we leave. I get another phone call from them. Hey, we've got your container here at the border, but we can't bring it in through your NGO because your NGO doesn't exist. I'm like, what do you mean our NGO doesn't exist? Doesn't exist. So how, however that worked, I don't know how, what happened, but when they came over to set that up before we moved, the lawyer in country didn't complete that process. So what do we do now? We got this container full of all our household goods. What's our options? Well, you can pay $9,000 and come and get it out of uh, customs. I'm like, it cost me less than that to ship it. Well, we've got some fees here at the border that you, know, you have to pay for and blah, 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 taxes, right? Uh, we're gonna have to tax you on all the goods. Because through the NGO, it could come through without any taxes. That was part of the benefit of having the NGO. So I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. So I call up our agency in the States and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. Uh, they want $9,000, I don't have it. Well, then they're like, why did you even send a container in the first place? I'm like, well. They said, well, we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll see what we can do. And I'm like, dude, this is, it's $350 a day for it to stay. Well, we don't think they're going to charge you that, and we'll, we'll be able to get it out of there, and, and they, won't, they won't even charge you the $9,000, because the lawyer that we have is going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, how, how long do you think it'll take? Give us the weekend and maybe Monday. No problem. I get a call Monday night. Yeah, not much we can do. You're going to have to come up with $9,000 to get it out. Hmm. Let me tell you what God did through that. <clears throat> One of the missionaries there is from Kosovo. He's with ABWE. But that is where he was born and raised. And he married an American gal, came back to the States, went through his college here in the States, became a missionary with ABWE, moved back, and was part of a KLA school that was developed there. So I'm, of course, talking to him about all of this. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna get this out of, the, out of customs? 
where am I going to get $9,000? I mean, I can't even go to the bank and withdraw that. It'd take me four days to get that out of a bank because they only allow you to draw withdraw so much. And I don't even have that kind of money in my account. He said, well, first of all, we need to figure out how to get that money into your account so that you can get it. I said, okay, I've got a financial guy. I'm going to call him. We've, we do, we've got money in set aside for emergencies, which is about $10,000. I said, I'll have him transfer $9,000. Called him up. He said, done. It'll be there in the morning. That was taken care of. Still needed money to pay these guys at customs. So this friend of ours, missionary friend of ours, grew up there, right? Aunts and uncles, family, friends. He starts reaching out to all of them and saying, I've got a friend that needs $9,000 to get his, his container out of customs. And he needs it tomorrow. Mind you, these are people that a good wage is $350 a month. He called me up and he said, I got $9,000 for you. I said, how'd you do that? Don't worry about it right now. Let's just get this taken care of, and then we'll worry about that in a little bit. So we went, we paid the fees, got our container out of customs. I said, okay, now what? what do, how, where'd this money come from? He said, well, you said you'd have the money by Saturday, right, 9000 I said, yeah. He said, that's good, because that's what I told everybody. They'd have the money back on Saturday. I'm like, what do you mean you told everybody? He said, well, I, I, I grew up here. I've got friends. I've got family. I got the money back. We repaid everybody. <clears throat> now, this is a culture that is built on distrust. They're Muslims. They don't trust, especially Americans, especially white Americans, and especially Christians. God used that time to establish a trust between them and me that would have taken years to build. Years to build. And it just so happens, I mean, here we are in the country for a month, month and a half. It just so happens that these people specifically that gave were specific people that God brought into my life months later. And I got to know them. And they welcomed me because I paid them back when I said I was going to do it. That's how God works. I've got so many of these stories to share, and it's already, time is it? I'm going over. We'll linger longer here. Huh? <laughs> but you get the picture, right? I mean, you get the picture that God uses, God supplies the needs. <clears throat> God works in us despite us. What did Gideon do after finding confidence and peace with God? He built an altar. He built an altar to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Today, I'm able to give God the glory that he's done in my life in front of you. Because he deserves it. He deserves all of it. I told you where my heart was. I told you my objections. I told you I didn't want part of any part of this, right? But yet God had that plan. And you know what? God had that seed planted in me way before this. Jane used to tell me all the time, you need to be like involved in some kind of emergency response team. Something where you can feel like you can go in and take care of it, you know? Because that was my heart's desire. I, my heart's desire was to be a part of some type of an emergency response team. And I believe that's what missionaries are. They're, they're emergency response in areas where a lot of people can't go, won't go, don't want to go. 
right? And hopefully sometime I'll be able to share with you how God has used that specific thing into what he's having us do now. Emergency response to those that are in the emergency situations. So I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing what God has done in my life. I'm rejoicing what God is going to do in our life. I'm rejoicing in what God will do in all of our lives daily. And like Gideon, we recognize that God could use us, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. When God is with you and his spirit indwells you, God's strength is greater than your weakness. God's grace is stronger than your fears. And God's plan is not subject to your objections. So Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time to, to share what you've done in our life, Lord, to be able to speak of these amazing things that you do to soften our hearts, to give us a call to the purpose that you have for us, and then to provide everything that we need. Just thank you again for this time, Lord. Praise you, and we give you all the glory in your name. Amen.